0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Orion's Belt, a Games Industry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lance Tallman.
1: And I'm one of your hosts, Connor Ball. And today we're going to be talking about what makes an effective communication system within a game.
0: You sounded really excited there, Connor.
1: I think I think it's a topic that needs to be touched on because it's, it's prevalent. It's very prevalent.
0: I agree. So backstory, Connor and I are over here. He's leaving for a week. So we were like, okay, we're recording this like four or five days before it will come out. But we we're like, okay, what are we going to do on the fly for another episode? Because we have this, If I actually think Connor mentioned it last time. He was like, what if we did an episode on Scythe? And I think he said in our last video uh, um, about RTSs, let's do, Well, you'll probably hear a Scythe podcast episode or something like that. You will be hearing a Scythe podcast episode, but we want to better inform ourselves before uh, before we get there. So that way we're we're spitting out good co- content. Um So suffice to say, we're we're sitting here like, oh, what can we talk about? Uh, Because we didn't really want to play through a board game entirely or talk about uh, a new video game yet. And so instead, we wanted to cover a a pretty interesting game design topic, which, as Connor said, will be communication systems in games. And so in talking about what makes an effective communication system, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. So we'll go to our overview. Uh, So first, what are communication systems? Uh, How do we define communication systems? Then we'll be talking about the types of communication systems, why games have communication systems, uh, why are communication systems controversial, because as you'll soon find out, they very much can be, and what makes an effective communication system, which will be our kind of main topic, I would say. Uh, But Connor, I'll pass the buck to you to dive into what communication systems are.
1: Yeah, so first I'll just very briefly define what a communication system is. Um, It's probably pretty obvious, it's basically some sort of system that allows one player to send information or signal information to another player. Um, Just like with many things, but also very much with games, having communication can be really, really important. Um, And so some examples of communications, communication systems that you may have seen are text chat or voice chat, Um, sometimes there's limited text and voice chat, as in maybe you have to choose from options. Um, or if the chat's filtered, there's also ping systems. So a lot of games have, um, options where if you want to go somewhere, I want to tell your teammates you want to go somewhere. I want to tell your teammates that you want to target a specific person. Then there's just kind of like a easy hot key. And then you press on that location or person or character and, um, then it kind of alerts them pretty quickly. There's also uh, communication systems that are more social uh, or less imperative to communicating information. Um, and these can be like emote systems uh, where you maybe just say a little blip or put up a little piece of artwork that doesn't really mean anything, but is just kind of for fun. And so these are just kind of some basic things I'm sure you've all seen uh, within video games, um, but a lot of video games have them. And I'd say that a lot of video games need them, but they still come with a lot of their own problems.
0: Definitely. And I, I think I want to qualify and preface our discussion by saying there's a lot of great reasons to include additional um, voice and uh, like limited text chat features as a part of an accessibility system. So say the main point of your game is like voice over IP, right? So you're just talking to people in voice chat, a lot of developers will also add like a limited text chat system for like accessibility reasons. Um, that way people who for whatever reason can't talk uh, or don't want to talk in that way will have a means of communication, but we're not really going to be talking about those or those are like ancillary to what we're talking about. We're talking about like the primary communication system in a game. And so for a game like Valorant, which we did our deep dive into in episode one, if you haven't listened to that yet, please do um there is voice chat is the primary communication method in addition to some pinging um but there is a limited communication system where if you press period on your keyboard you can like say some phrases and stuff i would say usually it's used more for like memeing yes um, i would agree <laughs> but uh that, that i would qualify that as an accessibility communication system mm-hmm, I would too. definitely peripheral to the um, the primary communication system of the game. So, suffice to say, we're talking about the main way people communicate, the vast majority of players. Developers should absolutely include accessibility things. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, uh, so... Connor, thank you for giving us such a, a comprehensive description of the types of communication systems. Oh, of course, systems. of course. It was great. Uh, okay, so now we're talking about why do games have communication systems. And so Connor and I have kind of both like, we, we hashed this out, and we came to two different uh, reasons and we're going to get into this actually a little bit later when we go to our big discussion on what makes an effective communication system but these are strategy we're talking about like so for why do games have communication systems they're usually for some sort of strategic or gameplay related purpose and then a a community or social purpose and we'll dive into this a little bit later Um, but those are the two big reasons that games usually have communication systems and we're going to be operating under the assumption that your game fits into one of those broad categories does that sound kind of accurate
1: yeah yeah, that kind of sounds right and but also when we talk about communication systems it's usually not directly integrated within the game itself or how the game works it's just useful or handy um to have it can make you have a better experience but a lot of these games obviously could still be played with zero communication between players
0: Right, that's a really good point. So if we're thinking of, like, audio games or something where communication, like VR chat maybe, mm-hmm. where communication is, like, the primary element, those games aren't really what we're using as our examples. We're talking about games that can, even if you're, like, playing at a disadvantage or, like, you would normally have communication, you could fundamentally play these games without any sort of direct communication between players. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, okay, so we get to our, our next topic, um, and these are, like, our precursors to, to the big thing. Connor, do you want to talk about yeah. controversy?
1: So big question is, why are communication systems controversial? And you would think initially, um, or in practice, there's no, you know, why would they be? But obviously, just like with anything involved with, with humans and communicating, <laughs> it's never going to be perfect. Um, and so... Communication systems can kind of include a lot of problems within a game and more importantly, like within the community of a game. Um, so this goes back to how the, even though the communication is not integrated within the actual like mechanics of the game, having a communication system can be useful, but also people can use it to the other extent. And, you know, maybe you try and use it to make somebody feel bad or to, you know, flame someone, um, for doing poorly, um, and that can just lead to really not fun times, really a not good experience within a game.
0: Or at least unintended behavior, I would yeah, say. Yeah, unintended behavior is a good way to put it for sure. Um, so so when we're talking about, like, inherent controversy to communication systems, it's interesting, right? Because you have um, third-party systems which uh, supplement communicate, Like, they're not... Directed, uh, or, or they're not in the developer's vision, even if a developer anticipates, oh, I'm gonna use like players will use Discord when they play my game, right? Mm-hmm. It's not there's there's a like there's an inherent difference between oh, players are gonna use Discord w- when playing my game and they're gonna use my built in voice chat feature, right? And because of that, there's a little bit of like responsibility issues, or not not even issues, but Qualifications you have to look at when discussing communication systems, if they're inherent to the game or if they're third party, or even if they're just like a meta component that's not directly related to the game but still built into it. Um, in the case of League of Legends, for example. And so, uh, when talking about the voice chat. And so the next thing is kind of like liability. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Connor? Yeah. So,
1: the problem, the obvious problem, is that with with communication, people get more you know free range to communicate whatever they want to communicate, and a lot of the time that could be unrelated to the game, or it could be toxic. Um, and if that's the case, the question is a the tr- question that comes up is whether or not the developer has to be responsible for players who are, you know, for example, maybe using the chat to say racial slurs or anything like that. It that, it becomes a question of whether or not the developer has to try and deal with people like that and so that this communication system isn't used maliciously like that.
0: Right, where the responsibility lies if it's solely in the hands of the player or if it's in the developers for enabling players to yes. like even do that in their game. Yeah, so that is a huge point of contention. And you'll see it's tackled in a bunch of different ways. Uh, Connor mentioned at the beginning filter systems. And so some developers just... Uh, have a mandatory filter and they will filter out certain words to their game and sometimes the game will either or automatically report you for typing in those words and filter it and you might not even know you've been reported um so there's there's controversy from the developer side too, but uh usually across the board, these filter systems are used to create like a more inclusive environment. would you kind of agree with that? Yes, yes yeah and so that's that's definitely one aspect of the the controversial component of communication systems, uh, handling toxicity. And when we're talking about liability, it's the responsibility of who has to handle that. And I don't think it's always at fault of the developer. What are your thoughts on this, Connor? Like your personal opinion.
1: And whether or not the developer is the one yeah, responsible who's at fault. for it. Um, hmm. I think, I do actually think there's a significant portion of fault to be put onto the developer because it's what you were saying it's that they're kind of creating an avenue um for players to go and right you know say whatever they're going to say um and unfortunately there's just no you're never going to be able to create a game where everyone who's playing just never does that right that you're going to be able to have a community where people don't say you know things rude things to one another and bad things or whatever it is. And so if that's going to be the case, then you have to, as a developer, try and limit it or try and punish it in some way. Otherwise right. you can just kind of let let it run rampant. And honestly, even if you don't have to, that's going to, that could easily kill your game.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I, I think public perception is also super, super important. I think um, if, if your game is perceived as having a toxic community, even if people... Uh, inadvertently or just saying like totally cool things in chat. Like it doesn't even matter. Nothing is uh, vitriolic or hostile in any ways. So people still have in the back of their mind like, oh, is this guy like assaulting me? Yeah. Or like commenting on my performance or something just because that's what's associated with your game. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think where I land on it is developers absolutely have a right to, or not a right, a responsibility, an obligation to stop and mitigate uh negative behavior i guess in their games is the best way to put it the question i think that's a little bit more contentious is how do you do that and what's the best way to do it like is it negative reinforcement oh if you say something bad multiple times you'll get banned or is it like positive reinforcement so like an honor system that we see a lot of the times Mm -hmm. oh if you're like really nice in chat maybe you'll get some sort of reward maybe a mix of the two um it's really interesting, right? and it's really hard to enforce because players are usually against being censored or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, even if um, obviously you'll get the occasional with a filter system, no filter system is perfect, where you're trying to say something completely fine, but like that word gets censored on accident or something like that, like the detection system's not working. So there's a lot of different points of contention, I think.
1: Yeah, in, and another thing that. I want to bring up too is that if we were to look at it from kind of a less moral standpoint as if let's just say that everyone was using your system correctly your communication sure. system correctly how I was supposed to i.e they're using it to communicate about the game to play the game um if that's the case if that was the case you would want to try and provide a system that is allowed that allows players to exchange information quickly and easily um Because obviously that's going to allow you to have better games and be a better player uh, and all that. And so if that were the case, I would say that at least one of the top contenders would be voice chat. Because with voice chat, it's very, very easy to communicate something you want to be done or a strategy to your teammates without having to you know press buttons or kind of stop doing what you're doing within the game. Um, But obviously... On the other side, going back to the moral standpoint, voice chat has a whole lot of um, implications when it comes to using it incorrectly. So that's where the big problem comes from because you do want to be able to provide that communication to people so that you can, you know, they can like perfect their game or just, you know, not lower that ceiling when it shouldn't be, um, but still consider the morals of it
0: yeah I think that's that's very that's a good app description of it and it like talking about the overhead right like your actual necessity okay, here's me, I'm building a game right It doesn't really matter what the game is um I have like a i have a gameplay incentive to figure out my policy on policing um inappropriate behaviors or whatever in my voice chat because exactly like you said, my gameplay incentive is. When I'm building my game, say we're talking about World of Warcraft, and we're going into a raid, it might be more beneficial for me to have voice chat than text chat, right? Because I might not have a lot of time to type out a response like while I'm fighting a big boss, right? Yes. So it's like, okay, then hands down, the obvious decision is voice chat. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe then... So any number of times out of 10, let's say it's even one or less than one, somebody's like really mean in the voice chat, right? And so I don't want that. Like there's systems in place that I can mute them and stuff, but what if instead you just, he could never yell at me in game because that functionality wasn't in the game, right? Yeah. So then we get into like the, okay, what's the medium between voice chat and text chat? And what are the, like other solutions, right? Mm-hmm. And so we briefly mentioned ping systems, uh, a game like Apex Ledges has, Legends has a really really sophisticated pinging system that can usually interpolate exactly what you want it to say if you ping like an open supply bin uh, the character will be like oh open supply bin people were probably here recently and you're like oh perfect like that's exactly what I was trying to get across by pinging that um with that said it's really expensive and it's really really hard to develop systems that are that robust would you yeah, kind of agree I
1: would agree I would agree um but I do think that those uh I've proven to be very, very effective. Yes. Um, so I think it would definitely be worth whatever you know power you'd got to put into it to have it in your game.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we're we are slowly starting to see uh, an increase of the use of like really robust pinging systems or other ways to kind of uh, mitigate the the differences that come from uh, voice chat, which definitely was I'd say the prevailing uh, once once we moved away from text chat in the games industry voice chat became probably the prevailing uh, way to communicate. Okay, so that was basically our discussion on uh, why communica- communication systems are controversial. We'll be circling back to it a bunch, and most of those yeah. topics we'll be coming back to as but the, well. But
1: the hot take is just you want people playing games to enjoy the game and just be nice to each other because otherwise it just feels bad and you don't have nearly a good of time. So
0: Totally. So how do you protect them, and are you responsible for protecting them? That's kind of the whole thing. So the next is our, our big topic. That's who we made it to the topic of the episode, which is what makes an effective communication system. If people, if any of you out there are like, OK, I want to make a game. I'm super excited. Um, but my uh, usually and I guess this is another important caveat. This is specifically for multiplayer games or games that are co-operate. At least like there's you have to have another person you're trying to communicate with Um as it pertains to this discussion, there are so many amazing features people include in single-player games to, like, interact with NPCs, stuff like that, and that is all awesome, but that's, like, a totally... That's a whole podcast episode or multiple podcast episodes um, if we're talking about, like, cyberpunk or something. Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave that out of this discussion. We're assuming you're talking to somebody else.
1: Mm -hmm. Because it's just, like... I'll I'll just give you an example. Um, Like, with football, after every play, the team goes into a huddle... Quarterback maybe gives off some plays, tells players to do this, this, and that, and then they break and they go to the line. You could still play football without that. But your team would probably perform poorly if you weren't able to, you know, communicate to everybody, this is what we're going to try and do now. And so that's the same thing, just like with any team-based activity, with team-based games, that communication can still be very, very useful.
0: Absolutely. So, Connor and I have broken it five, basically this topic down into five distinct things, and there's definitely more. There might be less, but uh, these five are like the things we, the, the cornerstones that we thought were most important or the steps you need to take when developing a communication system that make the most sense for you, like whoever you are, and you need to take each one of these into account so you can design the optimal experience for your players. So number one is what type of environment are you trying to foster or what is the purpose of the system? And this one, it sounds like, okay, well, that's so broad, Lance, but it's really important because we, and we touched on this at the beginning, there's two big categories that every communication system will fall into uh, as we've determined, which is gameplay-related and community-related. So a gameplay uh, communication system is one that you, when we're talking about Connor's overhead example, you're, you have to take that into consideration. This is a system that's being used to further your gameplay, to maybe win the game, uh, you're coordinating with a team to reach some sort of objective, but it's inherently related to the game you're playing or the direct mechanics of the game. Uh, a community system on the other hand, or a community related system, is one that is ancillary or not necessarily it's, it's not intrinsically related to the gameplay experience, even if it dips into it and affects it in some major way. Um, I was telling Connor before the show, World of Warcraft using the guild system. Full disclosure, I don't play World of Warcraft, so I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but this this is the broad strokes. A lot of faction systems in general use all of this. So the guild system, is it's used to recruit people, create like foster community, uh, develop social experiences, and you use that system to definitely bolster your enjoyment of the game connor but the guild system like you're not forming a guild during a raid right
1: you're yeah. not it's you're you're using you're using the system on some downtime yes. in which you're not currently active with the mechanics of the game the other mechanics of the game
0: right and i guess so if you're like in a pub in world of warcraft or something like in some sort of like cantina uh, and you're talking to members of your guild. I think you could make an argument that's definitely valid that that is gameplay. Yes, so thus the true. guild is related to it. But I would argue, for the purposes of this discussion, at least, this community-related communication system—it's usually more macro in sense, mm-hmm. uh, and usually facilitated by text. I would say almost yes. always. Yes. Um, there are times where maybe you have like a big speech you're giving um, on like roleplay servers or something like that. But usually, text is the way you're you're communicating, and that's developing community, but it's not directly affecting the gameplay experience. So that, that was a lot. So just to summarize, um, gameplay-related and community-related communication systems. So those are like the two boxes. You choose which one you're gonna go into, and that directly informs um, what, the, how, what your medium's gonna be. It's gonna be text, voice, whatever, and what decisions you're gonna make. Um, and important to note, you might have both types just of two different communication systems in the same game. Usually yes. you will these days.
1: And I also do think that there's not like a golden one type of oh, communication totally. system that you can choose for any game. I think that multiple systems implemented can obviously make it better. Um, totally. So I guess though, the next thing we'll talk about is that that usability or overhead. Um, and I do think this is probably um, more important for your gameplay-related systems because usually like Lance said there's going to be more micro or the community related had ma- more macro things to worry about whereas gameplay related is going to have more micro things where you're going to be doing a lot of other things and so if the communication systems taking up a lot of your time a lot of your power a lot of your I don't know your hand movements <laughs> on like keyboard, intense for yeah, sure then it's going to get in the way and not allow you to play the game um, so for example let's say well, I'll bring up League of Legends le- Legend like we always do. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> if you're going into a big fight, right, which requires a lot of your mechanics, you gotta, you know, watch where your opponent's going. You have to click the mouse the right way, uh, use your abilities at the right time. Um, th- there's not gonna be any time for you to like stop and go ahead and type out like, "Hey guys, I need some help," and then press enter. Like, totally. there's just, there's not, that's just not gonna be feasible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's no way for you to actually do that. There is, on the other hand, a more feasible way to say, okay, if I can press this button and then drag down, it says, uh, okay, I need help. It's like a ping that says I require assistance. That would take a lot less time than typing it out. And so if you need to be able to communicate that in those kind of like high-intensity situations, then you just have to make sure you consider if it's doable or not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would completely agree. And I think one thing that's interesting from a developer standpoint is when you're creating a pinging system, you can't have a wheel with 500 options, right? Mm-hmm. There's usually like three to seven really important gameplay like focalized points that you're gonna be trying to convey with like one ping. So yeah. in League, it's four, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Assistance, danger, traveling, danger, and missing. enemies missing. Yeah, and then. In their opinion, those are like the four core aspects that at any given time, usually those pings will be good enough. They'll suffice for the situation, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. Because the system needs to be it needs to be simple and streamlined if you're going to try and interlace it with the actual mechanics of the game.
0: And use it on the fly, right? And use
1: it on the fly, exactly.
0: Totally. Um, yeah, and I think I think usability might be I mean, user experience is, its again, it's its own podcast episode. Maybe it's its own podcast topic. Uh, but for usability specifically, this is probably one of the most important, I would say, uh, of all of the the keystone uh, of these five uh, distinct things you're, you want to look into. Uh, and for the simple purpose of if your players can't use something easily, they're not going to. Yeah. Uh, especially in what Connor was saying in a high intensity scenario. So just keep that in mind when developing your systems. Next, this is probably, coincidentally, the least important, um, but very important. I, I am a total narrative nerd, and I absolutely love world building. And so now we're talking about uh, diagetic systems, that being if your communication system needs to be directly or intrinsically tied into the narrative of your game or the world that you're trying to foster. So um, let me take you back to 2013. When I first started playing League of Legends, uh, the game narrative was completely different. Instead, and this might have been before twenty thirteen, I can't remember when they made the decision to switch, but the whole premise, and they actually did something kind of similar for Heroes of the Storm, the Blizzard equivalent, was you have you're you're a summoner, so you're some sort of like wizard that is in a room with a bunch of other summoners, and you're summoning this legend this league of legends, if you will, between the five of you, (laughs) um, that will fight for you uh, or being controlled by you. I can't entirely remember what the whole premise was, but basically you're summoning this legend and you have direct control over them. And so in that way, there was like a narrative purpose to the game. Like the whole game was encapsulated in this narrative essence of, oh, these characters are being controlled by you. So it makes perfect sense. So the communication system is, oh, I'm just a summoner talking to another summoner. That is summoning this legend. And that is like an inherent uh, narrative reason, I guess, for the communication system to exist. Now, funnily enough, a direct counterexample to this, League of Legends totally shifted away from that. And they decided to get the narrative experience and the depth they wanted. The summoner narrative was not really going to work, so they scrapped all of that. And now the actual gameplay experience of League of Legends is not intrinsically tied to... The narrative of Runeterra, which is the League of Legends universe, so that's interesting. And when I, Connor told me not to bring this up, but I wanted to bring up Journey because (laughs) it's just such an incredible game. And when when looking at uh, narrative system or communication systems that are intrinsically woven in to the game, uh, the chime system in Journey, which is a game of just two travelers traveling to this mountain peak the only way they can communicate is with these like chimes and that are at relative loudness at one point in the game you get you're very much tired so you can you can only like talk you can only chirp very quietly and it's like really powerful but um that's the the sole way to communicate in the game so that's like an example of this communication system that for the needs of that game super tiny and it's intrinsically woven into the universe because you are trying to whatever send a message to somebody via these chirps and so is your character who's trying to interact so they're intrinsically woven. Is there anything you want to touch on for die- the diegetic nature of comm systems?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's just it's definitely not something that's it's kind of honestly takes a different look, and that it's really not necessary for the communication system to be woven in or not. Um, I think maybe it'll make your yeah, because maybe like your user experience better, or just kind of like the general vision of the game to be more appealing, but Either way, in terms of, I guess this is me being my, my CS major, the technicality <laughs> standpoint right. um, is that they're both achieving the same thing. Whether or not you can say, okay, the reason you're communicating is because of this, this, and this within the universe, or we're just giving you communication because you need communication. Mm-hmm. Either way, you're going to be having that good communication. I think if you can, in a you know good way, make it diegetic, then oh yeah, then I think you should always. Right,
0: and I think exactly what you said from the usability perspective that we just talked about, there's pretty much no difference, right? It, well, hopefully there's no difference. But yeah, usually it's actually the reverse. If if it's intrinsically woven into your world, the usability is usually worse. Like, that's just how it goes. Um, so as Connor said, and as many people would agree, sometimes it's better just not to do that, to make it ancillary, because it doesn't usually affect it that much. But as I would totally agree with Connor's previous statement, it's a huge bonus if you can tie it in there in a way that does make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So the next topic, or I guess the next point that we're going to talk about is exploitability. And so this really goes back to the whole why are communication systems controversial? Because, like I said, in a perfect world, if you know that everyone is going to be acting how they should act, you would want a communication system to be able to give out lots of information in a very streamlined strategy, in a very streamlined way. But obviously that's not the case. And so now you have to think about, okay, how can people use this the way that it was not intended to be used? Um, so for example, with voice chat, how can they use voice chat? Well, they can say really rude things, they can say really inappropriate things. Um, that's not using it as what you intended them to use it for. Um, but the thing is, exploitability comes with any sort of communication system. I mean, it comes with anything. Yep. This is something especially that, you know, software developers or lots of other engineers and anyone really needs to think about is when they're making a product or they're making something, you need to always consider how are people going to use this incorrectly? Like, how are they going to try to use it incorrectly if they do? What are the consequences of that? Um and so for an example in one of these other communication systems we'd be talking about like pinging so let's say you let allowing someone to say hey i need help right and it gives you a little you know it says oh this person is asking for assistance well what if they just keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that and then all you're hearing or seeing is that this person needs help totally and that would be that would be unproductive right that would be using the system In a way that wasn't intended. So you have to think about, okay, well, how can I limit that? How can I make it so somebody can't do that? And so with that example, with the pinging system example, you're limited to a certain amount of pings in a certain time frame. So you can only ping, I'm asking for assistance, like, what, six, seven times or something? Something like that. And then it says, oh, you have pinged too much, you have to wait a little bit. Right. So that way... You still can't, you know, and just like overload the system, and or you know, make someone not really get the message you're trying to get to them across. So,
0: I think a great, uh, a great like segue, or not segue, a a good tie into this is talking about like the unintended uh, use cases of some of these things, and looking at League of Legends, um, one of the what the one we talked about, enemies missing, it's a question mark. Like that's the symbol. Oh, enemies are not in my lane. Question mark. Um, That specifically has been completely abused oh. to if you're like underperforming your mm-hmm. teammates are like oh question mark question yeah. mark like what are you doing over there um which i think is really funny like that's it's um, to misappropriate it's interesting
1: it. because it's a very in league of legends it's very important to know when you don't know where your like opponents are so that way it alerts your teammates, hey, like they could be coming, you know, to try and kill you or whatever. Um, and so it's like, I guess it makes sense that, oh, I don't know, question mark. But I swear that's probably used more to flame your teammates than to actually alert your teammates that enemies aren't there.
0: Totally, I would agree completely.
1: And so let's say you're in lane and you like do something really stupid and die. And you then boom, like there you You'll go. See the There's mark the gray screen, and then boom, you see the question mark pop up, and you're like, "Well, damn."
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man, like, and so I think that's. I mean, that's a relatively harmless uh, yeah. misappropriation and, of it, but there are ways where the system can be just like abused mm-hmm. or um, used to like a more I don't know a more nefarious I guess purpose.
1: Yeah. Because I I do think it is important to consider with exploitability is how bad can it get? Because obviously it's not like you can prevent everything. Um, Yeah. So you just have to kind of consider scenarios and say, can you, you know, lessen it to some degree where it's, like, tolerable
0: Mm -hmm. or
1: not, you know, ruining the experience if it is exploited how, you know, they want to.
0: Definitely. And so, okay, so to recap... Listeners, you're making one of you is making a game. It's amazing. uh, And the only thing left you need is a communication system. Okay, what do you look at? First, what type of environment are you trying to foster? Okay, uh, I want it to be gameplay related or community related for this specific uh, communication system. Then, what's the usability? Like, how feasible is it for me to use this communication system at any given time? Uh, Is it more casual? Is it okay if I use this during really intense situations? Does the communication system fit into the world of the game number three is it okay that maybe it doesn't uh does it need to be and then how can it be exploited how easy is it to exploit it and what are the worst possible scenarios if this thing is exploited you're not going to be able to anticipate all of them it's just not feasible but after some mild play testing what's what's the worst thing and then we get to our fifth thing and connor i think you can introduce this one
1: yeah um well do you even need it
0: yeah, do you need it? What if interesting? Seems thing. Like,
1: it seems like if there's all these problems with these communication systems, why why even have it?
0: Why I mean man hours to develop it, you know, cost benefit analysis, like
1: And on on that note too, there's there's all these third party apps and, you know, software that people use all the time and use it to talk. I mean, we use Discord all the time, especially when we're playing games. So why, why even have to worry about all this liability and, you know, making it so it doesn't ruin your game? Just just don't even deal with it.
0: So that's the, the fifth one that you have to look at. And this, there will definitely be a podcast episode at some point about design by subtraction, which is the idea that uh, simplifying a game and its components is a better design philosophy than kitchen sink design, which is putting as much, cramming as many things you can to a game. And so, okay, what if we just don't, include a communication system into the game at all. Or maybe just there's, uh, there's a chat feature or something like this, but maybe we don't need a community building communication system, one of the communication systems. What are the ramifications of us doing that? If we pull everything away, how playable is the game with no way to communicate? And I think before Connor and I get into this, it's important to realize if you strip away everything from your game, that, that is not inherently communication based. Obviously like, oh, moving, you can like signal people in interesting ways, but I'm talking about most basic communication features. You strip all of that away and your game is still completely playable. That's impressive. Like that is a design feat and you wanna to strive to be able to do that when designing a game. Uh, because even if it's disadvantaged without the communication system, that means fundamentally you're signposting correctly as a developer. So Connor, let's, let's jump in. Does, is it always needed to have a communication system?
1: Okay, I think, but for team-based games, where you've got teammates and you're against other people as well, I do think that most of the time you should have something. I don't. I think that a, a total absence of communication would be a poor choice. I agree because I think at the end of the day, when it comes to team-based games, a lot of it comes to coordination. Sometimes that happens inherently, sometimes it doesn't, but a team that's more coordinated will usually perform against a team who's not as coordinated, given that everyone was around the same skill level. That coordination is what, you know, is really gonna push you past the other team. And when you're playing with random people, you know, you're not playing with people you know, obviously that coordination is not going to be as common. Like, it's just not something you're going to be able to achieve when you're queuing up for a game and you're getting placed with a bunch of different people. Um, But at the same time, I do think it also depends on how team-based or how important that coordination is. Obviously it's important for every team-based game, but let's let's take a look at League of Legends and Call of Duty. Call of Duty is you just, you know, run around and, you know, try and take out the other opponents and shoot them. And although you definitely could be more successful if you were coordinated, moving as groups, watching each other's backs, whatever it is, you can still perform fairly well. And I I maybe might be looking at this because the pro scene of Call of Duty, I could not really quite understand the intricacies of it. But I think in general, in comparison to League of Legends, where somebody dying or somebody doing something wrong is a lot more impactful than somebody getting shot and killed in Call of Duty. So I think, for example, you probably really want a communication system in League in comparisons to Call of Duty. Um, but regardless, I think you have something in both.
0: Yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay, I do. I don't necessarily no, believe do. or disbelieve Lucas. But, um, okay, what about the inherent addition or uh, the inherent quality that a chat system adds for the competitive spirit of a game, right? Sometimes, and they talk about this uh, in game studies, when people are talking about, like, BMing, uh, bad, being, like, bad, bad-mannered, or, like, flaming people, some people thrive on that, like, competitive spirit, and I would say in 99% of games, you can't inherently do that with the game's mechanics. Like obviously crouching has been appropriated to be like a yes. like crouching repeatedly over somebody's like haha like whatever. Um but, but but besides that, I would say most flaming is done in chat being like haha you suck or like you're a loser or whatever. And although a lot of people would argue, "Oh, that's just like like why do you have to be ugh, why are you doing this?" Other people would be, "Oh, this is like great cuz now I have, like, animosity between me and the opposing team, and so I can, like, it'll be so amazing when I show them who's boss and beat them. So what about that unintended use of communication systems where maybe they're not gameplay-related, but they are, like, competitively based?
1: So you're saying that, like, these communication systems kind of add a little bit of, like, flair and somewhat positive banter in some cases.
0: Right. So let's say there was no way to, this is impossible. Let's say there was no way to use a chat communication system to help your team out in any way. The only purpose of it would be to like flame an opposing team or like fuel some sort of competitive rivalry. True. Um, and we'll just speculate a positive manner. Is it still worth it to have that communication system?
1: I think again, it goes back to, I think if that, if, that, if those were the parameters in that it, it was really only really used for light flame,
0: Right, right, sure. <laughs> then I
1: think it could be because I do think sometimes having that little bit of they kill you and then they throw like an edge at you, you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes you don't like it. Sometimes it gives you like, all right, I'm gonna come get you. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, and I do think that you can construct a communication system with those parameters. And for example, an emote system. Right. Um, so in systems where... Um, for example, in League of Legends, um, they have an emote system where, when you go into the game, you can have four different emotes on this little wheel, uh, if you like, I think you press T or C or something, and then you can select one, and when you do it, it's a little picture, and it goes above your head for a few seconds, and then it goes away, and so they've come out with a bunch of different types of emotes, you know, a lot of them look funny, they all have, have different, you know, personalities or whatever, and I think that would be, that's a really good system for exactly what you're explaining, that you die.
0: And then they, they outplayed you, you,
1: and then they emailed you, and maybe it's some guy's face, you know, or their whatever it is. the 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 personality of the email kind of entails, Speaks oh, itself,
0: almost. I just kicked your ass, right. so haha,
1: I'm better than you. And I think I think those are fine, and I think a tasteful amount of that is fine. But again, I think you can still incorporate that within certain communication systems,
0: totally. whether or
1: not you need that. I don't think so.
0: Gotcha. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And so I think. To, to use a game that's not League of Legends, uh, so Watch Dogs, <laughs> for example, they also have an emote system, and a lot of games do this, I think Fortnite, I haven't played Fortnite since 2016, uh, I think Fortnite does this, uh, where the emote isn't like a picture or something, your character does something, so in Watch Dogs, for example, I think you can use F1 through F4 to do a variety of different, like, jests. one's like, oh, throw out a compliment, one is like, literally, like, flip a guy off or whatever, Um and so using those four emotes, you can convey some sort of emotion. And, of course, similar to crouching repeatedly, you can misappropriate those to, like, flame people. But not looking at that, there's only so many ways you can exploit a system a system like that in ways that text chat can't account for because mm-hmm. you can say anything in a text chat, uh, minding filters. Uh, but in this emote system, like you were just mentioning... I think you're right. I think it's actually a more healthy way to go about it because there are ways to, it's easier to control the ramifications and the possible, the, the exploitability of the system. And so I I completely agree. I think with, with that said, I would not advocate for the removal of text chat from, or voice, voice over IP from like Call of Duty. I think, you know, you keep it. Uh, I wouldn't advocate for the removal of text chat from like Valorant or something like that, but... I do think there for, for newer games or games that are, are in ideation phase, developers can start pushing those boundaries and actually looking to things that might facilitate better community engagement or more healthier community engagement. There's always going to be an inherent bias. Somebody has to determine right from wrong, which is another part of the controversy that mm-hmm. comes in, like, oh, what is, what should be filtered, what shouldn't be. Um, and so there's always going to be that inherent bias. But bias permitting, I I think there's still interesting ways and definitely innovative ways that we haven't even thought of yet for you to design systems that encourage a healthy player base or a competitive player base that also prevent the majority of the nefarious activity from coming on.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I I think there's a lot out there that we just haven't experimented with because I think it's easy to just say, we'll put in voice chat, we'll put in text chat, whatever it is. And then okay there you go I've satisfied the need for communication and then we'll have a reporting system we'll deal with it whatever whatever but I think and this is for anyone aspiring to make games that I think you can be creative with it and I think you can come up with a system that achieves what it needs to achieve in terms of allowing for communication and do so in a healthy way
0: yeah I think the the main thing we need to look at is positive versus negative reinforcement we're already seeing this like maybe some mixture of both But positive reinforcement will always be more effective than negative reinforcement in getting people to do something and promoting a healthy community. Sometimes, you know, the stick works a lot better than the carrot to deal with an abusive player or the rare abusive player. But overall, encouraging a positive and, you know, supportive community or whatever, like whatever your aim is, usually positive reinforcement over time is going to be more efficient. So I, th- I mean I think that's all I have to say. Conor, is think there that's anything it. else? I
1: think and I think community relations too would have a whole other episode, but we can we'll get into that later, but at least for communication, I think I think we I think we nailed it all.
0: I agree. So to recap, of course, I'm gonna do a really quick again. So you're building a communication system. First, what type of environment are you trying to foster? Gameplay or community? Two, look at the usability. How efficient is it to use this communication system in an intense environment? Three does the communication system easily fit, or not uneasily fit, into the world you're trying to create, and is it worth it? What's the the cost benefit of implementing it and making it that the case? Four, what's the exploitability of this communication system? How easy is it to exploit? How hard is it? What are the potential ramifications? What's the worst or the farthest it can go that you can perceive? And five, is it even necessary? Would the game be better off if you pared down the communication system or didn't use it? A game like Journey, which has pretty much nothing. Uh, versus a game like League of Legends, which has a bunch of things and third-party applications. Uh, so just just think about those when you're developing systems. So I've been Lance, and I've been with the amazing Connor Ball. And thank you so much for listening today. We will see you next time. Stay tuned uh, in a little bit for some episodes on Scythe, hopefully. And if not, uh, then... There will be then... an
1: episode for Scythe, don't you worry.
0: <laughs> and if not, then in, in the inevitable future, uh, we'll be back with a bunch of interesting topics. Thanks.